On this episode of Rock Down South, we chat with Nathan Hunt from the rock band Shaman's Harvest. We talk all about their brand new album titled Rebelator and much, much more. We hope you all enjoy. Let's go. Welcome to another exciting episode of Rock Down South, a show where my friends and I chat with musical artists and ask them the questions we want to know about. Today, we sit down and talk with Nathan Hunt from the rock band Shaman's Harvest. And if you haven't listened to Shaman's Harvest, then you guys are really missing out. These guys have some killer songs and albums. Also, Nate is a terrific vocalist who has this really unique and soulful voice. And we have some fun and interesting conversations around vocal style and whether you can scream or not. But most importantly, we talk about the brand new album titled Revelator. And we get into some of the details on this album and go track by track and discuss some of these individual songs in detail. You guys are probably going to like this episode. So without further ado, here's the interview. Nate, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, let's get into it. I'm really glad to have you here today. Definitely going to get into a few things like the new album and such. But first, I just kind of wanted to start with some simple stuff. Uh, I know you're originally from Missouri, right? Are you a Mizzou fan? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're terrible and everything now. <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, grew up being a Mizzou fan. Nice. Yeah. You know, um, you know, because we're here at Atlanta, we're Georgia Bulldogs fans, of course, you know. Uh, national champions, you know, uh, yeah, 2021 no national deal. champions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no big deal, man. And of course, I have to throw that in every chance we get. That was a game, dude. That was a game. It was. It was. But um, the rest of my family is actually Mizzou fans. And I'll tell you why. It's because uh, my dad is from Springfield, Missouri, and uh, went to Mizzou. And then my little brother followed in his footsteps and graduated from Mizzou uh, last year. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, so the older brother didn't follow. No, no. We of course went to Georgia and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being champions and all. <laughs> no, but I love Mizzou. The campus is unbelievable. Oh, Such great. so nice. It's a great, great town, to, especially like when we were coming up playing shows in that town, it was a great college town for, for rock and roll. Yeah. That's an awesome place. Uh, Shakespeare's pizza. The place oh, yeah, I, I dug. I miss that pizza. That's really the main thing I miss about being in central Missouri is that pizza. <laughs> and uh, last time I saw you guys, I think it was back in August, 2017, you guys opened up for Nickelback and Daughtry. Uh, was that a fun yeah. tour? Oh, it was unreal. It was absolutely unreal. It was next level. I mean, we're used to playing clubs, you know? So every night's an arena. All right, cool. <laughs> you could every once in a while fly on their private jet to go to your next hotel room. Okay. Yeah, no, that's terrible. Uh, also we taught them how to play flip cup. So we started a flip cup tournaments. No way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah go back didn't know how to play flip cup. Apparently not. Um, but it got real serious there on that tour with the, the tournament, like the shows, we're kind of like secondary. <laughs> we just couldn't wait for the flip cup games to begin. Well, something that we like to do in the South is definitely flip cup and beer pong and things like yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We had to, uh, had to learn them connects. That's funny. 
Yeah, that was an awesome show. I love that one. And then, of course, you know, I'm glad I get to interview you guys. I've been listening to you guys for a long time. And uh, I think the first time I heard you guys was on the radio here in Atlanta back in 2009. And I remember specifically the first time I heard Dragonfly that came on because the DJ introduced the song and says, got a new song for you guys. This is Dragonfly. This is from a cool new band, Shaman's Harvest. But the thing is, they're not exactly new. They've been around for 10 years. And at that time, I think I was like 20 years old. I was like, oh my gosh, 10 years. It's such a long time to be around. Same. <laughs> of course, little did I know anything about the music industry, but I'm like, oh, that's that's a crazy long time. Now they have a single on the radio. This is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny is right before that single, we were going to call it quits because it'd been 10 years, you know, <laughs> like that just for us too. It seemed like an eternity. Cool. We did that thing. Uh, now let's just go work at the job sites, I guess, and the regular nine to fives. And, um, all of a sudden that single just started kind of started taking off and I was like, oh, well, I guess we'll go do a tour, I guess. And, uh, well now it's like 12 years later and we're still, still doing it. <laughs> That's a good song. You know what? It's not even my favorite song by any stretch. I have, I mean, it's probably number 10 or so on the list of my favorites of yours. Same. You know, it's a good song, but it's not like what I consider you guys known for, which I think is cool. Some bands, you know, they, they get that big breakout song or whatever. And then that's like, you know, it's kind of like downhill from there, but definitely not for you guys. Yeah, no, I would. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely would have been if that was the best thing we had to offer. I feel like we definitely would have called it quits a long time ago. You know, it's still in the set because otherwise we, you know, I think get strung up behind the club. Uh, it's, it's still in the set. It's just, uh, we try to change it up from tour to tour, make it a little different to keep it interesting for us. Cause we've been playing that, like you said, since 2009, it's, that's an eternity. <laughs> I know the music industry has changed quite a bit since there, and we could probably go on tangents for the next hour or so talking about the changes between 2009 and now, but, uh, right now I really want to talk about the new album Revelator. This is your seventh album, right? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Tell me about how this album came together. Um, well, we needed to make one. Uh, it had been a while since Red Hands and Black Deeds. Um, we decided we were going to take a year off in, what was it, 2018 or 19? It's a year off to make a record. Because normally what we do is we go in the studio with kind of a half-cocked idea maybe a guitar riff, maybe a melody. And then we finish writing it in the studio, lay it down, and then you kind of capture all the newness of it. But this time around, we wanted to like just see what kind of record we would make if we took the time for pre-production and, and really kind of just hone the craft of writing. So we took that year, and I think Murphy's Law hit us in every single way that we could, but that's just kind of the name of the game. Uh, with music making and made a record that we were proud of. And then, then the world shut down and we have, so we've been sitting on it for two years. Oh, wow. Now's the time to get it out there. Everybody's going back to it. Yeah. 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 Let's do this. Did you uh, have any goals with the type of sound that you're going for with the album? No, uh, we, I mean, it was definitely going to be a little more modern than we've been making just because we kind of went down the full vintage vibe with Red Hands, Black Deeds. And the record before that was kind of a blend of vintage and, and modern way of making a record. This one, we, we just wanted to 
do our sound, but just make it feel a little more modern, just because that's what we were interested in. Whatever the song is, that was the feeling of the day. I mean, they're they're honest songs, you know, the truth, at least for whatever we were feeling that day. So there was really no pre-planning details of what kind of record we wanted to make ahead of time. I just want to make a good one. And a good record it is. I really like a lot of those songs on there. And uh, I got some notes that I wrote down as I was listening to the album. And uh, it's a fun album, man. I like it. Um, but here's some of the notes that I came up with. And let me know if you have any uh, background behind any of these songs you want to talk about. Of course, it opens up with Under Your Skin. I think that's an awesome and catchy, fun song. And that bass guitar is really prevalent and driving. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the lead. Yeah, that one's a fun one. Uh, Toe the Line has some really interesting background screams. They're pretty cool that I hadn't heard from you guys before. Yeah, they're few and far between. Back in the day, you know, early 2000s, they were in a lot of our material. But yeah, for sure, it's been a while since I pulled that one out. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, bringing back the new the new metal within me anyways not not that it sounds like new metal but i love that song because it's it's actually one of my favorites on the record and i hated it when we first started i absolutely hated that song but the way it evolves from this weird time signature and then it goes to this bridge and it kind of gets bigger and bigger from a dropout point there's a country and western acoustic guitar part that's in the bridge but it's a heavy song. I just like all the the mixtures of things, you know, in that song. That's a great song. And then one of your singles that you put out in the past, Voices. Incredible vocals in that song. Really, really catchy groove. Nice chill vibe. But then it comes with those rocking choruses and guitar solo. And really, honestly, the more I listen to this song, the more I like it more and more. Sure. that's. I think that's the MO of Shaman's Harvest is like, there's some, sometimes some of our real diehard fans are like, man, I hate that brand new track. And then you'll see a comment like a month later, like, never mind, I'm just kidding. That's actually now my new favorite song uh, <laughs> from the band. Uh, yeah, that song was just like, uh, nothing's forced in it. Like, it's just an easy song to write, to play. It needed to have power vocals. Um, uh, which those actually those vocals that are on there was from the demo uh but the demo was like that sounds like a record so let's just use those which led the rest of the guys to you know they're having the finished vocal basically to play to and that's it's kind of nice to have because it changes how they play and really the hardest part about writing that song was we knew we needed a over-the-top soaring guitar solo and we knew it was going to be a long one and so like having the pressure of that because the rest of the song was fit so well together. It was really like, oh, we kind of need to try. <laughs> we need to try when we write this guitar solo and not just wing it. No, it's a good guitar solo. But some of the other songs on the album that I liked were uh, Lilith. It's really nice and eerie. It's got that twangy guitar. And then you have those, you know, chugging riffs behind it. And then uh, Hurricane, which kind of has that Southern feel in the beginning, but then it gets super heavy and rocking. Uh, those are good songs as well. Yeah, man. Uh, Hurricane is cool because it's kind of a story type song. We don't write those very often, but what we do, it's just kind of fun to fictionalize, you know, just have this little story in your head from a lyrical standpoint. 
and you know, I'm a big fan of bridges that probably are a little more excessive than they need to be. <laughs> and the bridge and hurricane just kind of goes on quite the tangent, which is just fun to listen to. It's fun to be driving to, you know, the pedal goes down a little bit heavier. And then, uh, of course, Pretty People is one that you have. Is it Clint Lowry from Seven Dust featured on it? Yep. Yeah, that was a co-write between us. And yeah, dude, he he slayed. He slayed all those parts. That's a fun tune. And then Wishing Wells is super heavy. I like that one. Yeah, that one's fun because it, it mixes like heavy rock with like bluegrass instruments. And the ending, like with there's a banjo, there's a mandolin, a lot of strings. Because we had access to the St. Louis Symphony, uh, so we're like, uh, yeah, it's going on everything. Um, <laughs> you know, once they start playing, you're just like, oh my god, that's amazing. We have to put this on everything. <laughs> that's another kind of, I don't know. It's just things with shamans harvested. We just try to uh, degenerify the genre, I guess. Yeah, and then lastly, of course, you know, probably one of my favorite songs on the album, Bird Dog, that you guys put out, I think, about a year ago now as your first yeah. single. That is an interesting song. It's, you know, super heavy, deep vocals, but it's slow and building, really kind of different than a lot of stuff out there that you normally listen to on, you know, rock radio or in that vein. But uh, I really dig that song. Yeah, it feels like a, it feels like a gritty crime movie. Yes. You know I and mean? like when you're listening to it, it just feels like True Detective or some, I don't know, something like that, where you just yeah. have this very cinematic kind of thing. There's a lot of auxiliary tracks that are just kind of a soundscape that kind of help build that scene in your head. Yeah. So, as we said, a lot of good songs on the album. I'm glad we got to name some of them here and get a couple of notes from you. But I think kind of really at the heart of you know, all this is one of the things I like about your band is really your voice. You know, it's a little bit different than other bands out there. It's a little bit more soulful, a little bit deeper than a lot of other bands. And uh, I know you don't do a ton of screaming on your albums, but, you know, it still sounds super heavy with rock and roll and goes really well with heavy tracks. And I think that's one of the things I like about you guys the most. Right on. Well, uh, I'm blushing. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the older I get, the more miles I put on the pipes. It's it's a thing that I accepted last record. It's like, dude, really, you're a baritone that, when pressed, can hit some first tenor, you know, if I have to. But, like, I had a producer tell me, he's like, why do you keep trying to go so high? Just, like, your voice is unique, being kind of deep and low and rich. And, you know, it worked for Johnny Cash. Why can't it work for rock and roll? And so, I don't know, it just kind of stuck with me. It's like, why am I keep trying to hide my lower voice? And that's with Bird Dog. That was one of the very few times that that lower registry is the main vocal, you know, throughout most of the song. That That is the interesting part of it that I listened to. I was like, and you don't hear many songs where that low of a vocal is the main one. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's a kind of a backup or a harmony, right? Yeah. And then now that I told you how cool your voice is, <laughs> what is something that you wish you could emulate from another singer or a technique or a sound that you're like, man, I just wish I had that? Yeah, yeah. The the number one thing that I wish, like you you brought up screams earlier. I've never known how to like properly do it that protects, you know, there's a thing called vocal fry that a lot of the bands that rely on 
the scream aspect of their vocal more so than the melodic part. They use a vocal fry, and it's basically it's a safe way to do it where you can just scream these real high screams without it damaging. And I've never known how to do it. I've like I've practiced it. I can't I just it's just all growl and full voice every time I do it. So, you know, you can only do so much of that before it blows you out. So I wish I knew how to do some of that protective scream. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe you'll learn it someday. It'll well it's been twenty something years. Maybe another twenty I'll get it. <laughs> Well, you know, Chris Cornell was trying to learn different ways to sing, you know, even, you know, later into his career. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, Chris Cornell is a great example of, I mean, he was obviously a tremendous singer up to his death, but his voice did change considerably the older he got. And you can hear him being safer with his vocals the later in life, the more seasoned he was, uh, which is a smart, smart move because it gives you longevity, it allows you to continue to, to do it. But yeah, so he's a really great example of someone whose voice changed and you just kind of have to accept that. Or you can hide it and then fake it in the studio and never do it live. And that's that's kind of a shitty way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, you guys are going on tour with Theory of a Dead Man. Yeah. How excited are you for this tour? Well, I mean, there's so many factors. The theory guys are all great dudes. We we've toured with them. I feel like it's almost every record cycle. They're usually like the first tour, I think. Um, so just being with a bunch of musicians again, you know, when we haven't been able to is great. Like I said, I mean, we took a year off and then, you know, stuff happened after that we got done. So we've taken basically three years since we played a show. So there's just so many things involved emotionally i just had a baby so i'm trying to figure out how to how to like like be you know like be dad from from the road again you know like that's that's a new thing again uh so yeah there's just so much involved emotionally of getting this tour going and i i really feel like once it gets started everybody's gonna settle in real nicely yeah so speaking of touring what is the worst show that you've ever played that comes to mind? Maybe it was a bad performance you had, a bad crowd, a small crowd, or maybe just a weird venue. I've had some, I mean, there's been plenty, this is rock and roll, so there's plenty of places where there's small crowds. But uh, I've had some, you know, I've had bad nights vocally, obviously, especially when you've been out on the road for seven months and you don't have any days off, really, that starts stacking up and, you know, I've had it to where I've even thought about canceling shows. Uh, luckily, I've never had to cancel a show for my voice. But I really, like, I think one of the one of the worst days was this festival we did up north. We didn't know at the time, but everything shut down. The PA system stopped. Everything stopped. The, we lost all electricity. It's because they didn't put enough gas in the generators. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to check them. But... So it started out like a bummer because we got like a song in and we had driven all night to make the festival because I think we were way out west. So like there was all this and then all of a sudden there's this big letdown of everything shutting down. But a cool thing that happened out of it was we went out and just stood on people's shoulders and grabbed the acoustics and finished the set acoustically. And it was kind of a cool, cool experience 
for the fans and and for us, you know, just to at least give them something. At least the hundred people that were close enough to hear, anyways. Oh, fun! <laughs> That's an interesting story. Yeah. Um. Obviously, big fan of the Smoking Hearts and Broken Guns album. Awesome album. You have an incredible cover on there of Dirty Diana, originally by Michael Jackson, of course. Excellent, excellent cover. One of my favorite covers by a rock band for a pop song. Thanks, man. Any chance you'd do another cover in the future? Oh, always. I mean, it just has to be something we're into, you know? I'm not a purist when it comes to, like, we can't ever do covers. Uh, I think they're fun. I think they're a blast. And people really gravitate to them. Uh, or they will they gravitate to them or they absolutely hate them. So yeah, no, I'd I'd be down with doing any cover as long as it's creative and as long as it's different from the original. Gotcha. But you didn't put any covers on this album or the one before at right. all. So we're kind of due. You kind of do. You're not the band that puts it out every album. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like we're safe. We can get away with I I've actually been kind of toying with the idea of doing just an entire like an EP or a full length record of cover songs. Ooh, uh, that's a good idea. Yeah. It'd be a good time. Yeah, I think Hailstorm put out like three cover EPs yeah. and you know, yeah. Stone Sour put out like three cover EPs. That might be a good, might be a good move. Yeah. Yeah. Do like three of them and kind of like spread it out from releasing. Holy cow. Maybe I did go to business school. <laughs> So these next questions are what we close with and ask everyone. Okay. So first question, what would you tell your 21 year old self? Oh man, take it easy. Don't try to, don't try to sound like anybody, you know, it's going to work out. Just be yourself from a musical standpoint, you know, keep it honest. Uh, and also don't like take a hair straightener to your hair and, do a comb over because you think you're emo for a year don't do that <laughs> i might have to go find a picture of that if it's uh, online they're out there <laughs> next question what are you drinking lately and if you don't drink alcohol it could be anything refreshing you like to drink uh i'm in tennessee so there's a lot of great bourbon distilleries around but my favorite whiskey right now is whistle pig I got turned on to it a couple of years ago. It's got like the clove vibe kind of on the back. It's real nice. Uh, they make a bunch of different, there's a few different whistle pigs. It's, you know, it's not like ridiculously priced. It's a little higher price, but it's not, you know, it's not crazy. So I've been sipping on that. And then I just got this, there's this soda that my wife bought me, even though I don't drink soda. It's called Flying Cauldron non-alcoholic butterscotch beer uh, <laughs> it's a soda it's not beer i don't know why they call it that but holy shit this thing is ridiculous i'm going to uh definitely spend more time in the gym trying to work that off i'll have to try that that sounds good yeah i'm a i'm a glutton for sugar man <laughs> whistle pig's always good as well i need yeah. to go pick myself a bottle of that uh, like you said it's a little bit more expensive but, um, you know, it's not like top, top shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, as you know, this is the Rockdown South podcast. So, what is something, or maybe a couple things that come to mind, that you love about the South? Oh, uh, people come to shows, they don't give a fuck. I mean, like, 
every place you play has its like benefits, but I've never struggled to get people out to a show. Like even like is is the masquerade still there in Atlanta? Well, they tore it down. They moved it somewhere else. But yes, they right. have a uh, three stage of the masquerade, three or four now. Well, the old one, like the place was always packed when we come through and play. Like there was never, a, there's never a struggle to get people out. Uh, the food, obviously. It's ridiculous. Uh, amazing. Hey, thank you, Nate, so much for being a part of the show today. Where can people find and connect with you online? Yeah, they can do the, uh, the Facebook thing. I am a King Squatcho on the Instagrams. But if you want to get like merch and check out tour dates and whatnot, you want to go to shamansharvest.net, not .com. You want to go to shamansharvest.net. All right, shamansharvest.net for tour dates. Check out the new album, Revelator, and new tour with Theory of a Dead Man. Um, anything else we need to mention? No, you, you just covered all the important aspects. <laughs> awesome. Oh, no, there's one thing. There's, like, it's super hard to tour right now. So if we come to your town, I don't want to hear about it. A month later, why we don't come to your town because you didn't come out to the show. So make sure you come to them. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. Hope y'all enjoyed this episode. I had a really good time chatting with Nate. He's a terrific vocalist and a really fun guy to talk with. So glad we were able to discuss this new album as it's a fun one. So make sure to go follow Nate and Shaman's Harvest on all of their social media pages and give their latest album, Revelator, a listen. And take a look at their tour schedule as they may be coming to a city near you soon. Check out all our content at rockdownsouth.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for the latest updates. And as always, the views and opinions expressed by our guests are theirs and don't necessarily reflect our own. I'm Mark, and you've been listening to Rock Down South. See y'all next time. Mm-hmm.